0: This is the Why We Travel Podcast, the podcast dedicated to those who want to explore the world on their terms. Each week, you'll hear from amazing travelers and experts sharing their best travel stories from the road, listen to their unique travel experiences, and get insider tips about their favorite destinations. Whether you're an experienced world nomad or just getting started, this podcast will inspire you, improve your travel skills change the way you travel and motivate you to get out and see the world discover the art of independent travel and meet fellow travelers in our online community now let's get into it with your host and world traveler claus lauder welcome to the show
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Why We Travel podcast. Today's journey takes us to South America, better said to Bolivia, a country that I had the pleasure to visit, and I think it's really fascinating there. So today on the show, Shafik Meiji joins me. He's an award-winning travel writer, journalist, and author based in London, and he's specializing in Latin America and Southeast Asia. He also co-authored More Than 40 Rough Guides and DK Eyewitness Guides. He writes for BBC Travel, Wanderlust, Lonely Planet, Adventure.com, Atlas Obscura, and among others his latest book crossed off the map travels in bolivia was published in march 2022 so it's a really new book and we will dive into this a little bit more right now in our show so let's say hello to shafik how are you today i'm very well klaus Uh, all the better for talking to you yeah give me a bit of an idea where you're coming from what got you into traveling i'm based in south london
0: and my background's in journalism i used to be a news and sports reporter newspapers here in London. But quite a few years ago, Wanderlust set in, and I resigned, and I went backpacking around India and South America. And my time in South America, I fell in love with the continent. I started doing my first travel pieces. And I thought, yeah, this is really what I want to do with my life. When I got back to London, I was persistent and knocked on a few doors and sent lots of emails and managed to break into the industry. Since then, over the last 15 years or so, I've been a travel writer, writing guidebooks, writing articles, doing podcasts and narrative nonfiction books as well. It's lucky it's taken me to all to take me to work on all seven continents, but I specialized in Latin America and South Asia, two parts of the world I'm really passionate about.
1: Okay, so tell me about a little bit more about Bolivia. I have been there, as I said, and I love the country. It's very diverse, has lots to offer. So give me a bit of a background. What was your first impression when you came to Bolivia? My first time in Bolivia was just as a
0: backpacker before I was working as a travel writer, and it was in 2004 after I'd resigned from my news and sports journalism job. And to be honest, I didn't really know much about Bolivia. At the time, I wanted to go to Brazil for the Rio Carnival. And then after that, I wanted to go and hike the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, classic gringo trail stuff. And just the cheapest way to get from Brazil to Peru was to go overland through Bolivia. But as soon as I crossed the border, I started to be captivated by the country. And over the coming weeks, I traveled all around. And initially, it was the incredible variety of geography there. I went to the world's biggest salt flat. Went to Lake Titicaca, the world's largest altitude lake. I went to the depths of the Amazon to explore some of the most biodiverse places on earth. And I got absolutely captivated by the country at that point. And then that helped to kickstart my travel writing career. I subsequently started working for Rough Guides. I co-authored the Rough Guide to Bolivia. And that allowed me to explore the country in incredible depth over repeated times over the last decade or so. And it was through those trips that gave birth to my latest book, which came out earlier this year, which is Crossed Off the Map, Travels in Bolivia, which is like a narrative nonfiction. Exploration it's fascinating
1: but underappreciated country. If somebody's planning to go to Bolivia, what should they basically have on the list? A huge country has lots to offer. What are the main attractions? The
0: classic attractions, and probably the image that most people have of Bolivia, is of the Andean side of the country. So that's the Salado Uni, which you know, has been immortalized in. Countless, countless photos that people will be very familiar with, even if they don't know much about it. That's the world's biggest salt flat. And this is an otherworldly landscape. It's roughly the size of Jamaica. It's incredibly flat. It's blindingly white. It's the whitest place, the brightest place I've ever been in my life. And it's surrounded by these incredible volcanoes, these Andean mountains. You're higher, you're 3,600 meters plus above sea level. It's really a hallucinatory landscape. That's on lots and lots of people's kind of bucket list adventures. And that's definitely a a must visit, not just in Bolivia, but anywhere in Latin America. Lake Titicaca, as I mentioned before, is a huge draw. One of my favorite things to do there is to visit the Island of the Sun, which according to Inca belief was where the sun and indeed the Inca mythology was born. And you can do a wonderful hike around there. It's incredibly scenic. You know, Like a lot of Andean Bolivia, it's very high altitude, so uh, it will wear you out. And then there's loads of fascinating cities like Potosi, which was the site of the richest silver mine on Earth. It's also one of the highest cities on Earth. You've got Sucre, which is beautiful, beautiful architecture. Those are all fascinating. As I say, the Andean side of Bolivia really draws people uh, initially. I always encourage people to explore a bit beyond these kind of well-known destinations and particularly to get into the Amazon. So most people think of Bolivia as an Andean country, but a third of it lies within the Amazon basin. And it's easier to visit pristine primary rainforests here than in a lot of other neighboring countries, such as Brazil, for example. And Park National Medidi, which is the most biodiverse protected area on Earth. It has 8,000 plus species. Many of which are found nowhere else on earth. I'm talking about pink river dolphins and anacondas and pumas and incredible bird life. And you can have incredible explorations there as well. And then if you go over to the east, which is the lowlands, and it's hot and steamy and it has a lot in common with neighboring Brazil, you have a completely different vibe and you see a different aspect of the culture, depending on how much time they have to maybe start off in the Andes, but definitely make some time to explore both the Amazon and the eastern side of the country as well.
1: Very good tip. So in regards of time frame, if somebody wants to go for the first time, what would be your recommendation? The cheat's
0: answer would be to go for as long as possible. But obviously, most people maybe have a week or two weeks, not just just for Bolivia, but I always advise for everyone: try and pick two or three things and do them really well, rather than trying to see absolutely everything, because you'll have a much deeper experience for that. And the altitude, which I mentioned several times, for is really something to be aware of. The Andean side of the country, and if you fly into La Paz, you're going to be landing at four thousand plus meters above sea level. And however old or young you are, however fit you are altitude will have an impact. So really, it's important to take at least a couple of days to take it easy, acclimatize the altitude, don't push yourself too much, don't drink too much alcohol, get plenty of rest, all of these kind of things. And then you'll be able to go off and explore the de Uni, the Lake Titicaca, the fantastic ancient ruins of Tiwanaku, a culture that predates the Inca. You could spend a whole week just exploring the Andean side of it there's one other place you know that if maybe if you have two weeks or if you're particularly interested in wildlife i'd really really advise making a trip to the amazon which is actually surprisingly easy to visit in bolivia you can get there from like a half an hour flight from la paz high in the andes takes you across the Andean foothills and into Rurrenabaque, which is a remote town but it's a gateway into park national medidi can't get much for a starker contrast between the two places. Medidi is one of the most important biologically rich uh, places on earth, and it's an absolutely incredible place to explore the rainforests and the pampas and the foothills. It's a magical place. And it's also a place where sustainable tourism and responsible tourism really plays a key role in helping to conserve these ecosystems, and particularly support the
1: indigenous communities that live there. You can have a positive impact
0: with your tourism as well.
1: Okay. So he said already you need a plane. What's the preferred way of transport in, in Bolivia? It
0: depends on your budget. You can get everywhere on public transport and minibuses. And in a couple of excellent train routes as well, which are very evocative if you like train journeys. So, if you're on a real budget and also like we all should do, trying to reduce our carbon impact and so on, you can get everywhere by bus. It is not always comfortable and it takes a long time. So, if you're on a shorter trip, unfortunately, internal flights will be a necessary evil. Some people hire motorbikes and travel across Bolivia as well, which is an evocative way to travel as well. And obviously, you can do. Anything from organized tours to hire a driver in a car for a day. And I think in practice, most people end up doing a mixture of these things, really. It depends what your budget is, and it depends how much time you have available.
1: Okay. Tell me a little bit about Bolivians, about the locals. How are they? What's the vibe? How do you get around with them? I
0: was initially captivated by the incredible geography and the diversity of the landscapes there, but as i spent more time in Bolivia over the years. And as I've worked there, you realize the incredible... Cultural diversity in Bolivia. And it's an absolutely fascinating country. And it's a place where multiple indigenous identities are to the fore. And one of the great pleasures of visiting the country is to learn and to meet people from different communities. And people are the cliche within South America, is people are a little bit more reserved and maybe less flamboyant or openly than, say, in Brazil or in Argentina. My experience is people incredibly friendly and welcoming. And for responsible travelers who treat people with respect, you'll get an awful lot out of it. It definitely helps if you can speak a little bit of Spanish. The Spanish in Bolivia is very clear, and it's not too fast and rapid like in some of the neighboring countries. A few words will go a long way. I think once you start learning about these incredible cultures and these long traditions and their histories, and also the challenges that they face historically and continue to face. Today, you'll get an incredibly rich experience to go with incredible scenery as well.
1: Yeah, I found the locals particularly friendly. I would jokingly say they are the tiny friendliest people that you ever will meet. (laughs) Because as a Westerner, as a gringo, you always stand out because of your body height. Food is obviously a topic. Anything particular about the food there, everything that stands out, something that you really miss while not being there? It's incredibly diverse. The food that you'll get in the Andean side of the country is very different
0: to the food that you'll get in the Eastern Lowlands, which has more of a tropical climate and has a lot in common with Brazil. The Andes, obviously the birthplace of the potatoes, and the actual variety of potatoes that you get in Bolivia, and the uses to which they are put, as well is incredible so if you go over a bit more to the amazon side and the region just below the amazon basin this is this kind of in somewhere like cochabamba and the cochabamba valley that's the breadbasket of bolivia it's got a wonderful climate the city is known as the city of eternal spring because of the climate and so many things grow there so you can have wonderful tropical fruits you get really really good freshwater fish as well Bolivia, for anyone who's not sure about the geography, is landlocked, but it has incredible rivers, and it's really, really interesting fish. And if you're up in the Amazon, you'll get weird and wonderful fish that you will not have come across before. And it's often barbecued and served with Amazonian-grown fruit and vegetables, which, again, are many of which you won't have come across before. They're often absolutely packed with goodness as well. And then if you go over to someone like Santa Cruz, so Santa Cruz is the biggest city in Bolivia. It's in the eastern lowlands. It's the economic force but in that part of the country it's much more modern it has a very different vibe but there they have wonderful barbecue restaurants that you know as again if you visited brazil you might have experienced them as well huge kind of meaty kebabs i mean this is cattle countries so meat plays a huge part in it but again you know tropical fruits are available and you get stews and stuff so again it's a really diverse place and particularly in the more touristy places parts of la paz you'll also find restaurants from all over the world you can find Indian food, you can buy Chinese food and
1: everything. Go with an open mind and eat everything. That's a good approach there. Reminds me on Cochabamba, which was a very surprise to me because I found out they have a Navy Academy there. And you just said it is a landlocked country. So we walked around and were one of sons surrounded by Navy officers in their dress, in their uniform. And I was wondering, why is that happening? But obviously Lake Ticticaca is a bordering lake and they have boats and ships there. So that was interesting. And also the other thing in Cochabamba is the Statue of Christ, where everyone thinks the biggest one is in Rio. No, it's not. It's in Cochabamba. So lot of surprises there. What's the biggest surprise for you or situation for you in Bolivia? glad you mentioned those two things because they're both very interesting
0: now. To be honest, it's the endless diversity of the cultures and of the landscape, really, an incredibly biologically rich Amazonian rainforest, very sparsely populated. And then two days later, you can be on, as I say, the world's biggest salt flat, which in some ways is as close to being on another planet as you can get without actually just not a rocket. Parts of it feel like a lunar landscape, parts of it are red, dusty soil, and it feels a bit like being on the surface of Mars. And the fact that so those two places are within the same country and actually that you can visit within two days and then the next day you can be in a buzzing metropolis, you know, modern, vibrant city. It's that diversity that surprised me when I first visited. And, you know, one of the great things about Bolivia is that every time you visit, and I've been fortunate to visit, I spend a lot of my time there. Every time I visit, you learn new things,
1: you see new things, you find out new things. Kind of constantly evolving and constantly surprising. Hundred percent agree. La Paz for me is one of the two craziest cities in a certain way because just because of the location where it is built, that's already so impressive. It's one of my top cities to visit. I have been there, but I always would recommend to go there. So when it comes to a budget, to a travel budget, what can people calculate for?
0: Bolivia is one of the cheaper countries in South America. Once you've got there now getting getting there from europe particularly can be a bit pricey international long-haul airline prices are expensive generally at the moment it's often cheaper to fly via the us and get a connecting flight down there but once you're actually in bolivia it's a very affordable place if you're coming from it's much cheaper than in brazil or chile or argentina or in peru for example it's a rough budget if you have fifty dollars a day and get by on that and as i say public transport and basic accommodation and food all very affordable. So you can travel on a shoestring budget. The places where it adds up is obviously internal flights and some tours as well. And I would always advise thinking carefully about tours, particularly in the de Uni and in the Amazon, because there can often be a great variety and the cheapest tour is often the false economy. And also you can have a very positive impact. Travellers and tourists can have a positive or an impact with the way they spend their money when they're abroad. And that's particularly true in somewhere like Bolivia. So I would always say don't be tempted. If it seems too good to be true, the price seems too good to be true. It isn't true. And so do a bit of research and particularly look to go with locally run travels and tour companies, and particularly in the Amazon, indigenous run tour companies, because then you can really ensure that you're having a positive impact. So those kind of tours can sometimes add a bit more, but it's a very economical place to travel around.
1: Shafiq, you have written a book about Bolivia. Tell me a little bit more about the book and what people can expect from your book.
0: Yeah. So Crossed Off the Map, Travels in Bolivia is like a narrative travel log, and it kind of combines travel writing and journalism and history. The initial spark was my very first visit to Bolivia back in 2004, and as I say, as I started working for Rough Guides, the co-author of the Rough Guides to Bolivia, it gave me the great excuse to visit virtually every part of the country and spend extended periods there and to really immerse myself in the country and its culture. And so initially I thought it's a place that doesn't get a lot of coverage, particularly in the English language media. There hadn't been a very recent travel book written about it. I thought, oh, it's just people be interested in hearing about the world's most dangerous road, the world's highest city, the world's largest salt flat, the world's richest silver mine, the world's largest high altitude lake, the world's most biodiverse national park, all of which are found in Bolivia. So that... It was my initial idea for the book. But then, as I started delving into the history a bit more, I found that this country that, you know, lots of people outside of Latin America wouldn't be able to place on a map has actually had like a profound impact on the modern world. The riches that were extracted from it helped to power the industrial revolution and fund the Great Wall of China, just to take one example. So I thought, well, look, this is a fascinating history. Let's try and explore that as well. And then I was also traveling, traveling there throughout the 2010s. Fortunately, for me, a time of great social and political and economic change in Bolivia. Bolivia is on the front line of issues like the huge amounts of climate migration there. It's been very affected by the war on drugs. It's had to deal with populism. It has to deal with like national identity, indigenous rights. Lots of the issues that are important to all of us around the world. But Bolivia it seemed to be on the front line, and it seemed to be dealing with a lot of these issues before many of us were really other parts of the world were properly aware of them. So the book looks both back at the fascinating history, and it looks at the contemporary challenges the country is facing, and it follows my explorations around the country. And really, it also tries to share the voices of some of the incredible, fascinating people that I've met in every part of the country who have interesting experiences and histories and opinions, and I've tried to share them with the reader and really convey my enthusiasm and love for this wonderful but underappreciated country.
1: No, definitely. It's a beautiful country. It has beautiful, very, very friendly people. And I would highly recommend anyone to go there. Where can people find out more about your book and yourself? I'm easy to find.
0: My website is shafitmeji.com And that has more information on the book and it has links to my social media channels. I'm on Twitter and Instagram and so on. At Shafi Meji. And you can also see some of my writing on Bolivia, I've done quite a few pieces for BBC Travel and Wanderlust recently, which will give you a flavor of the book. We'll hopefully get a few more people
1: hooked and inspired to visit Bolivia in the future. Okay, I will put the link in the show notes and you're just one click away. I think, Shafiq, you're a great ambassador for Bolivia. And I hope that a lot of people will put this country on their travel map. Thanks so much for your time and talk soon. My absolute pleasure. Wonderful to talk to you, Klaus. Hey, Klaus here. Before you leave, I have a question. Are you a traveler? Do you have a favorite travel destination or a favorite travel experiences that you would like to share with the world? Then become a guest on the Why We Travel podcast. Simply message me and I will get you all the details for becoming interview guest and then we take it from there. That's it for now. i see you in the next episode and have a great day.